Hello and welcome back to another episode of Transcending Ascension with Spirit Mom. Today we pick back up with our reading of The Physics of Consciousness by Ivan Antic. I do continue to recommend this as one of the best books you can read right now. It is very deep, but tells the truth of what reality actually is at, it, at its fundamental core. This is information that will revolutionize the earth and our way of thinking. Other religions have taught this before, but he has clearly brought this information together in a way that hits home like nothing ever has before. Today we read part five of the physics of consciousness. Now that's my own parts, not the parts of the book. I have four prior parts already out that I recommend you obviously start with. One day we'll put it together as a whole book, but for now we're releasing it as parts. So here we go today, part five of the physics of consciousness. Consciousness outside the body and the role of the brain. Consciousness of the soul is comprehensive and timeless. It is the divine consciousness that lies at the foundation of the whole of nature and creates life through intelligent design. It made us and we use it only individually. Our brain is the finest organ that receives consciousness, slows down its momentary functioning, and by doing so restricts it sufficiently for us to use it in linear time and everyday physical life. We use the absolute consciousness individually as a relative consciousness. Our soul is the source of consciousness in us. The relationship between body, brain, and consciousness can best be explained using the analogy of an electric light. The body is the light that has several parts. The brain is the light bulb, which is the most subtle part of the light, whereas consciousness is the electricity that is independent of the light and comes from the outside. It appears as though the light shines all by itself, yet it merely conducts electricity to generate the light. In the same way, to a layman, it, appear, it may appear that the brain produces consciousness, although it is nothing but an organ, subtle enough to conduct the vibrations of consciousness and attune them with the body and its functioning. It transforms consciousness in the body into perception. Consciousness connected with the brain is what here we call the mind. There is the similar analogy of the brain with a radio set that merely conducts vibrations coming from outside. If it is broken, it cannot do so. When the brain is damaged, it cannot conduct consciousness and the body is unconscious. We are then in a coma or deep sleep. That is why it is wrong to conclude that consciousness is only in and of the body. Subsection 16. According to the research of the neurologist Carl H. Pribram, who together with David Boehm contributed to the shaping of the holistic ontological interpretation of modern scientific results and placing them in the frame of the holistic paradigm, our memory is not stored somewhere in the brain, but the brain is a perfect instrument for the holistic communication with the whole, with the holistic universe. Since consciousness is not of the body nor in the body only, and since consciousness is directly connected to our transcendental soul, we are able to have out-of-body experiences. 
The reason why the individual physical mind in the body is not always aware of the higher consciousness of the soul, nor of what it experiences spontaneously in and out of body experiences, lies in the fact the mind is not always united. It is split into a multitude of eyes that shift on the surface of consciousness. These are conditioned by the outer influences and the body itself, which both change constantly. A division into a multitude of eyes is the main reason the mind is often deluded. What one eye decided to do, the other eye did not. Mistakes go on being repeated or the person is completely unaware of them. The mind needs discipline of yoga or meditation in order to become unique and aware of itself and that means always aware of its limitations. I know that I do not know and only then can it become aware of what it is above it and what enables it which is the higher mind in consciousness of the soul. The mind is split because it is a reflection of the body, and the body itself is made up of large numbers of biological entities. The cells themselves originated from bacteria that joined in symbiosis into a bigger whole, our body. That is why the mind is so prone to divisions. Divisions are its natural state, unless these are extreme to the point the mind cannot function. If that were the case, the individual in question would experience a mental disorder. Some milder forms of a split mind are the usual characteristics of all people who often have one thing on their mind but do something completely different. People who tend to forget things, who lie to themselves, and often enough those whose manners are and, con and conduct are based on and sustained by social senses. The more consciousness in the mind becomes whole and continually present, which is achieved through the discipline of meditation, the more powerful our conscious functioning is. This may extend to consciousness beyond the body. We may not only become aware of our dreams, but we may also enter our dreams directly, whether during lucid dreaming or out-of-body experiences. The more conscious and whole we are in the body, the more conscious we are outside the body as well. The spiritual evolution of the human can be reduced to being as aware in the body as they were out of the body prior to their birth in this body. Consciousness and time through the dimensions of nature. Nature or overall existence is divided across several dimensions. Ancient esoteric knowledge divided the dimensions of nature according to the frequencies that in our experience are those of earth, water, fire, and air. Their properties were taken to represent symbolically all the frequencies in which dimensions exist and function. Because our physical world consists of solidity, earth, liquid or fluid states, water, vibrations of warmth, fire, and gaseous states, air, dimensions which are the finest frequencies that can be felt, like air, but that are not visible. These frequencies of dimensions range from the finest, air, to the grossest, earth. Together they make up the being of the human, which enables us to think and have ideas, air. 
to give energy and will to these ideas for realization with the help of imagination, water, about the concrete shapes these ideas are going to be realized in and materialized through on the physical plane, Earth. The human is shaped by the cosmos, which shapes conscious subjects and their awareness of themselves and consequently their awareness about the cosmos itself. Subsection 17. The cosmological theory of the strong anthropic principle or SAP, SAP, testifies to this according to the visible characteristics of space. The way they are in everything are not a product of coincidence or natural selection between multiple options but as a consequence of quite a definite purpose. The creation of conditions for the origin of a conscious subject. This principle states, the universe must have such a property to allow for the development of life at some stage of its existence. The obvious conclusion here would be that the universe was created with the purpose of creating and sustaining the observer which means that observers are necessary for the universe to exist. There would be no objective cosmos without a conscious observer. If consciousness were not the foundation of the cosmos, there would be no conscious subjects either. This shaping happens in accordance with the dimensions of nature. Each one in its own way shapes one aspect of the human being. A human is a microcosm as a consequence of the multiple dimensions of nature. The human has multiple bodies that correspond with these dimensions. Elements reflect all the bodies a human has. The physical body that reflects the element of earth. The emotional body that reflects the element of water. The body of will expressed with the element of fire. The mental body expressed with the element of air. Self-consciousness is present always and in everything reflected by the element of ether. This gives the human the ability to move physically, earth, to sense their movements, water, to be filled with fever, will, and the passion for movement and action, fire, to think where they are going and what they are doing, air, and to be always awake and aware of all of these in the center of their being, akasha. Since the human is a microcosm, the embodiment of all the principles of the cosmos, all the higher dimensions of the cosmos, are not outside, but they are rather the inner dimensions that give them all the spiritual life and soulfulness, all the dreams, myths, and archetypes. This analogy made all the ancient civilizations see the cosmos in a human form, and human form is like the micro microcosm or the cosmos in miniature. To use Buddha's own words, yet it is just within this fathom long body with its perception and intellect that I declare that there is the cosmos, the origination of the cosmos, the cessation of the cosmos, and the path of practice leading to the cessation of the cosmos. The human in their existence is able to know all the dimensions of nature because they created them. There is no need to look elsewhere for them, on the outside or in altered states of consciousness, because their presence is the necessary precondition for them to exist. 
with all possible states of consciousness as well. Nothing is outward and spiritual maturity is reflected in the ability to recognize that all abilities are in them. The human should simply be who they are and not become something else to fit in some ideal. This is the hardest part, for an imitation of the ideal has always been a far easier option. The reality in which everything exists is the only ideal they need. The essence of all the deceptions humans enslave themselves with is to be unaware of the fact that all the dimensions of nature are in them, not outside of them. That they are the measure of everything that is outward. In fact, everything has its solution its final solution in them, not outside of them. The projection of the meaning of existence outside is the root of all the problems a human has in their life. All the suffering and plight where, whereas finding the ultimate result of existence in one self, one already possesses the entire process of human evolution and cognition within themselves. The dimensions of nature have a pyramid structure. At the bottom we have the element of earth. Physical world, objects, and events are separated and defined in the space and time. Next, we have the element of water. Astral world, objects, and events are shaped, merged, and mixed by time and space and all possibilities. Next, we have the element of fire, archetypical world, energetic vibrations, which turns ideas into objects and events and vice versa. And at the very top, we have the element of air, the world of ideas, thoughts, informational field in which all possibilities of existence are united in timeless presence. The pyramid structure represents the contraction of space and time. All the dimensions of nature contract progressively as they rise from the earth and material plane. Things and phenomena are separate in space and time only here on the material plane. In the astral world, which is above material world, things and phenomena are separate but may be intertwined. The limitations of the physical world do not apply there. Although there still are shapes and phenomena like in the physical world, it is the world where we spontaneously go during sleep and out-of-body experiences. That explains how time and shapes may mix there. This is the reason we dream the way we do. We experience past as present, impossible as possible, and even see the future. The astral world is represented by the element of water. It has no shape of its own, but takes on the form of its container and changes its properties. Practically, it means that astral always assumes the shape of the idea, air, and an intention, fire which are expressed in the world of astral in a specific shape. Most commonly, this is a temporary form that is used as an experiment before the final shaping on the physical plane. With imagination, we prepare the final materialization of our ideas. Dreams, too, serve the purpose of experimenting with ideas and possibilities as well as parallel realities the ones we are unable to express on the physical plane that is made up of relatively solid shapes in space and time. Above these four elements that represent the dimensions of nature, there is ether, 
or akasha, space or field. It corresponds with the universal quantum field, which is ruled by the eternal present. It also corresponds with the divine consciousness that projects everything else into existence, like the space that contains everything else within. All other dimensions manifest themselves through space and time, and this manifestation has a pyramid structure, which means that space and time progressively manifest more and more as a separate and grosser, as they keep descending lower and lower from an idea into its material shape. In the realm of air, ideas, or thoughts, time is close to the eternal present. This gives us the ability to think and envision everything, irrelevant of space and time, both near and far, and past, present, and future. Thoughts and ideas are eternal. The energy we invest into realizing our ideas exceeds space and time. Albeit to a lesser degree, it is still always individual and personal, but can be used as an inspiration and a role model for many. We can all remember the feats of great men who managed to realize some great ideas. We remember how they came to realize them things they had to do, the will they had to learn to develop and demonstrate to put their ideas into practice. Not a single idea can be realized without expressing the will for its achievement. It is the element of fire that consciousness, from the world of timeless ideas, narrows down to an intention which in turn creates a specific time and space for its accomplishment. To succeed in this, more contraction of space and time is required in the form of imagination, or an image and a well-grounded plan on how best to achieve this. This is the element of water. Time is more contracted in it while shaping an idea in space. Concrete shapes become visible, although further experimentation is still possible. Finally, the idea is realized on the material plane as a tangible object, a state, or a phenomenon. It happens simultaneously and all at once, although there is a process. It is expressed through the pyramid structure of all dimensions. In the same way a prism refracts a single light into all the colors of the rainbow, the pyramid structure of dimensions refracts a single divine consciousness into all of processes and various phenomena. It transforms the timeless present into space and time. The pyramid structure of reality in the way in which one turns into a multitude, where side by side time and timeless present coexist as do thought and the object of this thought. A thought is the element of air, and the object of thought is the element of earth. When we are holding a certain object in our hand, it belongs to the element of earth, and our thought of the object belongs to the element of air. However, these are not the two different phenomena, but the same one manifested differently due to the different dimensions involved. The pyramid structure makes the manifestation of one phenomenon in space and time refract into the outer gross object in one hand, and a fine idea of the object in our mind. The stone is in your hand, and the thought of the stone is in your mind. The thought and the stone are the same and only seemingly separated by these dimensions, but separated by your mind only. For the same reason, the mind can bring them back together in a new and creative way. All the differences between thoughts and objects are only in the manifestation of space and time. 
the thought of the object is insistent and the time of duration of the object itself depends on the circumstances of its durability in the physical world. Until it disintegrates due to entropy or some novel idea changes it. The lasting time of each phenomenon is different according to the dimensions in the element of air. It is momentary. In the form of an idea or a thought and in the element of earth it is relatively permanent to the degree physical conditions allow. All the differences in the manifestation of phenomenon are only differences variant upon time and dimensions. Dimensions are therefore associated with time. They define it. Subsection 18. The general descriptions of higher dimensions usually go along the line that there is no time in heaven, that the perpetual present is the only reality. This is correct. The mind is connected with the body and it was designed to function in linear time in which the body exists as well. The mind cannot cognize timelessness for the same reason it cannot see the higher dimensions. Consequently, the mind cannot exceed time and grasp the very nature of time until it exceeds and trans transcends itself. In other words, until it opens itself up to the higher mind and consciousness of the soul. Overall existence permeates all dimensions. Every being in nature must go through the full spectrum of dimensions, and they do so all the time. The fact we can observe a certain phenomena or an object simply means that we have located in the third dimensional space-time one detail from the full range of transformation. A stone, mineral, will over time become a plant, and one day through the human it will become a thought. Although from the viewpoint of a physical body and its logic, it appears this is a continuous process following a linear law of causality that gradually develops over time, constructing the horizon of the manifested world. The reality, however, is that all the phenomena of nature is simultaneous and time as such is a relative concept. This process instantly contracts manifestation through the presence of a conscious subject. When a human sees a stone, the stone has already turned into a thought in them. It happens continually, both in and through the human. The transformation of the divine consciousness across the dimensions of nature, designing all the possibilities of consciousness in all the dimensions. The complete transformation of the experience of coexistence across all the dimensions and divisions, their purpose is set in one place only, the human body. Legends say that the human was made at the very end of the whole creation as the most perfect work of all their creator, and is in his image and likeness. The human being is a machine that unites the functioning of all the dimensions of nature. In the highest dimension, an informational direction and shaping of energy happens, which later manifests in the lower dimensions in the form of some physical emanation or phenomenon. Information, thought, of some phenomenon unites with the shape of the same phenomenon in the human. This is the mechanism by which designing the phenomena takes place in the human. The process of creation or the manifestation of consciousness as existence itself goes from ether or the universal quantum field to what we perceive as gross matter or the physical three-dimensional reality. In other words, the divine absolute which is everything that is. 
manifests or actualizes itself in all possibilities of existence. Everything that is always manifesting itself as everything that can be. Starting from all the frequencies of the quantum field, across all the shapes in nature, from the tiniest to the biggest, and to all the possible phenomena that could ever be. For example, the drama of life that animals experience, but people also to a greater degree. With events people experience through their work and destiny, the finest meaning of phenomena become known. The awareness of the sense of these events then goes back to the divine absolute via the human soul as one aspect of the divine awareness of itself. The divine absolute manifests itself from the most subtle to the grossest phenomena, and this manifestation is its awareness of itself. Nothing can exist without the awareness of existence. The shaping of existence without the purpose of existence is impossible, and neither could there be phenomena without the purpose of phenomena, and the purpose in question has always been the awareness of existence and the awareness of phenomena. The awareness of the purpose of existence is solved through life and human destiny through karma. To use a vivid depiction here, the divine absolute appears to have put a blank canvas in front of itself onto which it would be able to project anything it can come up with, its whole imagination. This blank canvas is the physical universe. It is the background. The higher and finer dimensions get projected on ether and the divine consciousness included. This blank canvas then acts as the mirror that reflects all aspects of the divine absolute. All its possibilities. The physical universe is nothing but a mirror of the divine consciousness itself. The same can be described using frequencies as an example. The divine particle gradually slows down its vibrations, its motions, and by doing so, all of its manifestations become grosser and slower, until the point they become slow enough and gross enough for consciousness to experience its existence as a three-dimensional physical phenomenon in space and time. Space, or better yet, the state between the physical world and the original state of the divine particle as the quantum field, ether or akasha, is filled with the nuances of frequencies of the varying densities of phenomena, i.e. speed. These nuances make up the so-called higher world, or the dimensions of nature and astral and the mental world and the archetypical space, hyperspace. When the great speeds and fluidity of higher dimensions are the media, consciousness finds it very difficult to become solid in a way necessary to attain awareness of itself in an ultimate way, in the way of a separate individual such as the human. It is unable to distinguish between the myriad of details of existence itself, the conditions of an inert physical body in space and time, in the element of earth, are ideal for this sort of experience, in which consciousness will leave the momentariness and, un and unity of everything behind, and enter l linear time, limited by space, to know all its contents and possibilities as objects. In the element of earth in the physical world, the contents of consciousness and ideas become solid objects that can be known from all their aspects, and with all the possibilities they become objects one can work with. The whole of existence is based on perception. In the entire universe, nothing, nothing else happens but the act of the divine absolute, knowing itself, everything that is manifest as everything that could be. 
This manifestation is awareness of existence as the awareness of itself. Once the awareness of existence becomes so complete, having long and hard enough gone through all the possible experiences of existence and realizing that it is no different from consciousness itself, then divine awareness of itself comes into the picture and the process of the manifestation of the divine absolute is finalized. The state of completeness of the meaning of existence transformed into consciousness of itself of the divine absolute happens in the human only. It has always been called enlightenment or the highest God knowledge. Completedness of the manifestation of the divine consciousness happens when the human becomes aware of the true nature of existence here and now, of the fact that time is an eternal present. Being conscious of the fact that there is no time means being conscious that existence itself is consciousness and that consciousness itself is existence. To think there is no time or that time is the eternal present, that only the present exists means that consciousness is existence and that consciousness is the divine consciousness itself, that consciousness and existence are not different at all. They are the same. Eternal present is this existence of ours. Its ultimate reach, the most supreme reality, gets expressed as time also. The unity of consciousness and existence happens as Samhadi. In meditation, as Sohaja, Samhadi outside the meditative focus as Nirvakalpa, Samhadi in the everyday life of a completely awakened human who then sees every physical phenomenon clearly as the timeless presence and embodiment of consciousness of the divine absolute. From the previous example, this means that the stone we are holding in our hand, we now see as a materialized consciousness, something we are able to do once we stop time and begin residing in the present only. Whereas time as such can be stopped only by modifications of the mind, by transcending the mind, by appeasing the thoughts that project time. Once the mind stops, time stops too. And the reality of existence as the eternal present unravels before us as the unity of consciousness and existence. The effect we are able to have on the stone then is far greater in the effect on existence as such. For only then can we begin to truly affect existence. Because we have entered its source, our consciousness is one with its existence, enabling us to impact matter consciously. This functioning manifests in the form of powers, or siddhi. Consciousness of the divine, absolute, returns to itself. It is able to end its manifestations only in the human, who has returned to themselves, to their essence, their soul, who no longer manifests time with their thoughts and who has known existence for what it is as pure consciousness and existence itself as the presence of the divine absolute here and now. They no longer see anything as being different from themselves, from their existence, from their essence. Therefore, divine consciousness outside the human has always been what it is. There is nothing else for it to be, and it simply recognized itself in the human because only in them has it experienced the loss of itself, the incident of projecting itself into something else, into an existence that appeared severed from consciousness. The principle of circling of consciousness from the divine to human and back. 
divine consciousness keeps circling from itself to the human, with their state of ego in mind as the two forms of biggest alienation of the divine consciousness away from itself, and then back again to itself, to the divine absolute. It is everything. It is undertakes on its path to itself, because nothing at all is possible outside of it nor is it different from it in any way. This explains why perception is possible in the first place. Perception as such is when one acknowledges or harmonizes with oneself. When consciousness sets off from the divine, it manifests itself as objective existence, the cosmos and life. When it is on its way toward the divine consciousness, experiences itself as the meaning of existence, as the awareness of itself in the human, as a conscious subject of objective existence, and finally unites with the divine source through the human soul as self-knowledge. This entire circling is nothing but the imagination in action of the divine consciousness. It happens in a momentary fashion, every moment of every day. We have to emphasize this principle, which is the foundation of everything we describe here, and is the topic of this book. The principle that, in our view, appears like circling is simply the absolute presence. Timeless presence of the divine consciousness is much like the circling of consciousness, Awareness of itself projects itself from the divine absolute in the form of manifested nature which develops all the possibilities of existence. And after consciousness experiences all the possibilities of existence with this accumulated experience, it returns to the divine absolute. And in do so doing, actualizes the awareness of itself. The entire existence or the cosmos is in reality the divine absolute, making an effort to become aware of itself. Therefore, its highest awareness of itself is no different from the very existence here and now. It is no different from our awareness of ourselves either. When the human attains the level of perfection of self-consciousness, they then, as it is often said, come to know God. Although it would be more accurate to say that then God knows itself, or even more accurately, it actualizes itself to the fullest, while the human as its instrument of God-knowledge disappears. However, it is clear that neither consciousness nor God acquires awareness. The only thing that appears is that the human unconsciousness vanishes. This disappearance is the purpose of human existence. The human disappearance in the divine consciousness is their true origin. In the entire cosmos, there is no greater bliss than that. The divine absolute itself experiences the highest ecstasy possible when from the point of the most distant self-oblivion and ostensible alienation in the form of a human confined to the illusion of the body and egoic mind, it liberates itself from all the illusions followed by an untold number of karmic dramas and temptations to find the meaning of existence and to understand everything for what it is. And as the outcome goes back to itself, it appears that the divine absolute originally had this in mind when it set about getting itself involved in the whole affair, whereas the overall manifested existence exists only to make this bliss of self-knowledge take place in the human. This circling of the divine consciousness does not complete itself in some epic way. When our judgment day comes, it always happens in the measure of a small dose upon realizing something truly important in our lives. When we experience this knowledge together with the feeling of love toward existence itself, 
when we do not distinguish the energy of love from life itself, when we become aware of it and begin to see it in everything surrounding us, in some tiny plant or an animal roaming about, when we help some person to feel better, learn something valuable and experience goodness, or when somebody smiles in honest bliss and cognition. This principle of the circling of the divine consciousness can only be seen as pulsating, which is a principle many possess in nature. Processes in nature go through from the electromagnetic frequency of subatomic particles and the motion of the overall energy through the polarities up to the gigantic pulsars and quasars in the cosmos and ultimately to our breathing and heart beating as well. This practically demonstrates how very close we are in those principles of the divine consciousness that enables the entire cosmos into existence. The identical principle generates everything to pulsate and vibrate from quasars to our hearts functioning and our breathing too. It is all the identical vibrations to the same movement of the divine consciousness on its way back to itself. Since space and time are illusory in reality, the highest score, the divine result, does not happen in the beginning of the world, nor will it be resolved when the end of the world comes. It is reflected in the tiniest things always as the source and joy of life and knowledge. That ends our program here for today on Transcending Ascension Podcast and our read-through of The Physics of Consciousness. It's a very powerful book. I hope you stay with us. Thanks for being here. One day I'll edit all this out and release it as a full audio book, but reading out loud is uh, a lot of work, and I commend all book authors that do it. It's fun. I do enjoy it, but uh, it's different reading in your head to reading out loud, so I do appreciate those that do it properly, and I hope I'm doing a good enough job for you. If you have any suggestions, I'm open to it. This is my first audiobook, and if you've ever read the book Rose Matter by Stephen King, that's a secret fantasy of mine to be a book author, a book voice author, whatever it's called, actor, voice actor, as well as, uh, you know, have a painting that comes to life that I can walk into. That would be great as well. I look at all my paintings in my house, and I have an affinity for art specifically because of that book. So thank you, Stephen King, for that one enlightening book you did, which, funny enough, he sees as one of his most failed books, which I think that's because he didn't realize for once he wrote something transcendent, transcendently awakened, just like the Dark Tower series, where a lot of his stuff is uh, transcendent. <laughs> I don't even know if you can use the term transcendent when it's demonic, um, but uh, he's channeling some darker beings there for most of his books, but but the book Rose Matter is a good one to dive into if you're looking for a little bit of awakening, though it is a sad story of an abused woman. However, she's the hero in the end, so don't worry. So that is it for today here on Transcending Ascension. I do thank you for being here, part of the movement. I'm working on everything because there's a lot of things in my head that getting them out to you is actually more of a challenge than putting the information in because I need you guys to understand it. And I do understand so very, very much. This is why I offer private lessons. I do call it life coaching because the funny thing is, is automatically you end up healing when you learn this information. And by all means, I can start at the beginning and heal you through the Carl Jung way and heal your trauma, the inner child. I am trained in it all. Um, but I actually found the most powerful stuff came from enlightenment, obviously. Um, but I do like to sprinkle in both of my clients, but I do a variation of both. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and sorry if you're listening to my clients, but I do prefer this method of teaching you quantum healing because when you understand this deep fact what he's trying to teach you here that 
You are not only God, you are everything that exists at all points in time, at the same time. It does blow your mind and can literally, like, psychically injure you, where you do have to take deep care of yourself for a while and kind of time out on uh, learning. But, man, are those wallops worth it, and I do appreciate that. I love the term spiritual warrior because it can feel like that, and I know it. it you do have to literally fight off internal demons and external fourth dimensional entities that will actually try to stop you from learning this information. It's the entire thing the Catholics have always worked for, and that's keeping us out of this information. Pretty much all organized religions do it, but the Catholics were kind of geniuses at it. Um, so here we are learning, growing together. I appreciate you being here for the movement, the new renaissance. I have French blood, so I, I take delight in being involved in it again as a Canadian restarting the French Revolution, but this time we're not going to let a little tiny man dismerch and, and ruin the entire um, validity of the movement, because this is not going to end up physical, as in fighting, but it definitely is an intellectual, spiritual war that's happening within ourselves. But all we need to do is come to peaceful enlightenment within ourselves, and, and that heals the world, believe it or not. And it's, it's the truth of that is seen in my life and the life of my clients that I have healed. They report back, and I can report as well, that not only are you healed, but the people around you begin to be healed as well. And there is a involved service from you that goes into it, but you enjoy it. No longer do you need to go, oh, I'm so sick of work. Now you will have something passionate to sink your teeth into. And it just makes absolutely everything in life better, I promise you. So reach out to us now if you'd like at spiritmomcoaching.com or comment here if you can and reach out to us on YouTube where we post a lot more content. Um, but we do want to touch up and keep the podcast going as big as possible. I would love to have guests one day. I'm literally a journalist. That's what I am. So that is my forte. So my dream is to interview the alchemist. If you're listening, Sarah, I want you on my show one day because she is one of the only teachers that actually get it. And then obviously this man, <laughs> Ivan Antic, who seems, I don't know if you can find more details on him, I would just, wow, because that, this man knows his stuff. This, the fourth way is the way this is his teachings come from. And it all just comes together in a whole bam of this is it. This is the congruent sense. The rest is all beautiful poetry, mythology, and we do need that. We are creatures of myth because of the fourth dimension, and that's where our minds live and operate. But the reality of the situation is this material. You know what I mean? The myths are beautiful and they shape our lives, but this right here in the physics of consciousness is existence. This is the literal sense, which is why this book, I want it to have an audio book because when it comes to this thick of information, you, de you need to hear it every single way. I need to hear it every single way. I've already read this book, but reading it again for you guys and then reading it again and again, because obviously, like, I know I'm stumbling a bit in the stuff you hear, but trust me, I stumble even more and it gets edited. So I am reading it again and again and again, and you just, like, cannot read this stuff enough. You can read this stuff repeatedly. Like, how one day people think of the Bible, they will think of this book. So I will end this here. I hope to see you next time on Transcending Ascension with Spirit Mom. Good luck on your enlightenment. I know you can do it. Goodbye for now. Spirit Mom.